white folks don't like the perception of an angry black man, right? Yeah. And so Chuck D is perceived as yes. angry, even if he's not angry, he might be perceived as angry. Yeah. Or like, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with being angry. I want to go on 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 record as saying that, right? Right. But Will Smith, even if he's angry, is not perceived that way. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. This is Leroy Barber uh, at the Sit Up Podcast. And welcoming you to this episode. Uh, first of all, love that you're listening and you probably picked us up on Facebook or Twitter. You can look me up or hit me at, at, at Leroy Barber on Twitter, Leroy Barber on Facebook, uh, and also on Instagram. I made it pretty easy for you. Just search for my name. And uh, like us on those things and share your questions. Uh, We take all questions. Don't be embarrassed to drop us a question. Don't think there's a question out of line. Uh, If it's out of line, we'll let you know. So don't worry about that. But uh, shoot us your questions. Shoot us your comments on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And we'll try to get through to those as we go along here on the show. Now, today's topic. Why? Why? Black people, are we so nice? Black people, we need to stop being nice. Don't you think? And uh, I'm I'm taking this from an article I read by Jamil Hill. She asked this question profoundly as she looked at this picture with the Obamas, the Clintons, and the Trumps family together. I think Jimmy Carter was there as well. And uh, the question came out because, you know, the Obamas are playing nice, right? They're they're making small talk uh, to the Trumps. But the Clintons are not, right? The Clintons, they're not making any overtures towards the Trumps. And that raises the question, right? If you're a black or person of color, do you need to be nice to be accepted, Right? Is it on us that to be nice all the time? Why is this a burden for us to be nice? Other question is, when are you nice? Right? When when are you nice? Like you are purposely being nice because you know you need to be. When do you decide that? When do you decide, okay, I got to be nice in this situation? Who are you nice to, right? And when are you not nice? I want to know that too. When do you decide I'm not going to be nice, right? So let's start, let's start, let's start running down these questions. First of all, does it always have to be on black folks, people of color to be nice? Do we always have to be the people, right? To make nice. This picture uh, on uh, from Jamil's article, uh, she writes for the Atlantic. Like it shows the Obamas in the middle, right? The Trumps on one side and the Clintons on on the other, and the Obamas are playing nice to both sides. Is it on us to do that? Do you think the Obamas would be the Obamas if they decided not to be nice? Do you, do, you, do you think if President Obama 
and Michelle, halfway through their first term, decided we aren't going to be nice anymore. Do you think they they would be reelected? I don't I I don't think they would have got reelected. I I don't think that if they would have said that's it, no more nice guys, we're coming out guns blazing. I think they would have put the election in jeopardy. Because truth be told, as I believe it, white folks like nice people of color. They like nice black people better. So the burden does fall on us many times to be the nice person. Why is this? Why are we a burden? Why are we burdened with being nice? What do you think? Do you think... White folks just feel safer when it's nice black people. And at the end of the day, they just want to be safe. And that's why they look for safe black people. Now, 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 I know some of y'all are are feeling it right now, but do you know any black folks or many black folks who aren't nice that get ahead. Who's the boss at your job? If it's a person of color, is it a nice person of color? Who's getting elected to offices? Are they nice folks of color? Right? Who like there are some exceptions, right? You know, you know, I, I, I think I don't think Michael Eric Dyson is always nice, right? So there are some exceptions. But what are the rules? And are there rules on being nice? I know I'll 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 speak for myself. So there were there were there was a time in my life where I was very worried about being making sure that I was nice. Now, I think I'm a generally nice guy. I don't I don't think I'm a mean person. But when I when I talk about being nice, it's not necessarily your demeanor. It's like what side you plan you take at the time. Do you say something hard or do you say something that's going to keep kind of some of the angst in the room down? Right. That kind of nice is what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, And I know early in my career. I took the side of keeping the angst down just so that things wouldn't blow up, right? So that the attention wouldn't get, you know, either come to me or be on the people of color or those kinds of things, right? We make those, I have, I don't want to say, I don't want to put it on you. I have made those decisions. And I think at some point in my career, and I've, I've been working in nonprofit in the nonprofit world and cross-culturally for about 30 years now, that somewhere in the middle of there, there was a transition. And that transition was around me gaining my own voice and me deciding that I didn't want to be the nice guy. I didn't want to give the nice answer. I wanted to be welcomed in a space for who I, who I am. And that sometimes didn't call for me being a nice guy. What about you? What are those times that you decided, right, that you were going to be the nice person 
and the times where you decided, nope, I want my own voice here. I'm going, I am going to say the unpopular thing right now. I think, I think people of color make those decisions all the time. And then who are you going to be nice to? So who are you nice to? Are you nice to the person uh, that uh, is working behind the counter at the fast food restaurant? If they're, if they're, if they're a white person, or are you nicer to the person who's paying your paycheck, your supervisor, that white person? Is there some hierarchy of niceness, right? Like, so I don't care the person behind the counter. If they're white, they say something to me. I'm going to say it right back to them. But the person, my boss, if they say something wrong to me, uh, I'm going to decide to let that go. I'm going to be nice in that that particular scenario. When do we decide? Is there really a hierarchy? I think there might be. I think there might be a hierarchy in who we're nice to and who we're not. Now, I get it, right? The question is going to be, the question is going to come, I got to feed my family, right? I got to I gotta keep a job, right? I got to eat. And sometimes our niceness, right, is based on who is paying us and who isn't. Because there's there's what people would say a reality check, right? I gotta eat. I can't go home without a paycheck, right? I got kids. I got I gotta buy clothes. I don't want to be living on the street. So I'm gonna be nice to this person most of the time. And when that person doesn't control those things in our lives, then we're more apt to be ourselves. Is that true? I don't know. I know for me, it rings true. I don't know how it does for you. And when are you not nice? Are you not nice when you're fed up? Right? When you just kind of get to the last straw and you don't care. I want to know who that person is. Who is the person that speaks truth, right? Who gives their own voice, even though you know you're going to lose something at that time. It might be a job. It might be, uh, I don't know, some money you counted on, right? Uh, something. But you don't care at that particular moment. You're going to say what you mean and mean what you say and raise your voice no matter what you lose. You know, send us, talk to me about who those people are. Because I think somewhere between not saying something to uh, so I can continue to feed my family and saying something, no matter what I lose, there's some balance in there that maybe if we can get to that balance, it might be a healthier place for us. What do you think? Who are you nice to? Now, I'm going I'm to I'm throw something else in here right now. I remember uh, in the 90s, you know, early day, early rap and hip hop, you know, days. Right. Uh, that wasn't that early, but early enough. And there were two people that come, there are two people that come to mind when I think about like, do white folks like uh, uh, nice people better? Here we go. Will Smith or Chuck D. Right. Parents just don't understand or don't believe the hype, right? 
right? Come on. Fresh Prince, right? Or, uh, uh, or, or, or Chuck D dropping this, these rhymes, right, about fight the power. Who's more accepted? Who's seen as a nice guy? And what happens to the nice guy? And that, those particular scenarios. Now, like, I don't want to get into talent. I think they're both talented. I think they both, you know, bring who they are. But one just happens to be viewed or at least perceived as nicer than the other. And do you think it's a coincidence that Will Smith wins a Grammy and Chuck D does not? That Will Smith is on TV and accepted and that Chuck D as seen as a public enemy, <laughs> right? You tell me. This is Leroy Barber for the Sit Up Podcast. We'll be right back at you. Listen, and let's be clear. You only get one chance, one opportunity, one request to appear, one moment to consider what you might hold dear, a few seconds to digest what might be coming near, a quick check of which direction you may want to steer. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen, stories to tell, battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. This is Leroy Barber with the Sit Up Podcast, and uh, you are back with us. And uh, we are, have a guest coming on. Uh, my boy Andrew Morgan is here with us, and I want to throw out some of this discussion with him now. So, so Drew, yeah, Will Smith or Chuck D? <laughs> which one do white people like better? <laughs> I'm glad you asked which one white people like better because it, it, it's not on me. Right. And I think the obvious is who won the Grammy. That, right. Who right. still has a career right now. Like he's taking social media by storm, him and his family. He's the genie mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. in the new Aladdin movie. And you know, there's this thing they say about black people and getting cast. Mm -hmm. You can either be the magical Negro. You could be, there's all these different type of roles, but right. you're going to be something. Right. And Will Smith has played all of them now. Yeah. So, a, I mean, at one point, I don't know if it still is true. Will Smith was the top like yeah. moneymaker in Hollywood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't think to me, I don't know who else makes more. I'm pretty sure they could say Clooney or someone mm -hmm, else, but mm -hmm. I, he, it seems like he gets a major role mm -hmm. at least once a year. It feels like he has a major movie coming out, right? So he might be. Now, but, now we don't want we, now we don't take nothing away from Will Smith. Yeah, he's you know, talented, Philly yeah. boy. You know, from Philly, so I, I can't. I'm, I'm not hating on him. Yeah. So he's talented, yeah. but so is Chuck D. So yeah. why isn't Chuck D <laughs> winning a Grammy in all movies? You know, so my honest answer with that is, is fragility. It's hard to like, Chuck D was knocking down the doors and saying, okay, I'm going to make white America uncomfortable. And on top of that, I'm going to make you sit uncomfortable. Like mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. never expressed the desire to clean up any messes or anything. He's like, listen, Y'all been messing some things up. I'm going to tell you what you messed up. And he was leaving white America to sit in their fragility and be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't lending any of his emotional bandwidth to him. He wasn't saying like, hey, I'll sit with you for a little while. He was just kicking down the door saying, look, this is the truth. Mm -hmm. Now deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that level of being uncomfortable, it, it just wasn't for the masses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, that's one of the main reasons why I think Chuck D., uh, you know, hadn't had that mainstream success. He's had some success mm -hmm. more as a rock artist. 
<laughs> you know, here here uh, recently mm-hmm. and been respected in that and doing that. But yeah, it's just not. It, I I think it was the wrong time. You know, Arizona. Remember the song he made? By the yeah. time I get, yeah. yeah, that was one of the most uncomfortable songs for John McCain and his followers. But it was <laughs> right. one of the most truthful songs. You know, to deny Martin Luther King Day as a holiday in your state, like to go out the way to do that. Chuck D talked about real stuff uh-huh, that people uh-huh. didn't want to really talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now, do you do you think now this this goes into a little bit different? So that uh, white folks would don't like the perception of an angry black man. Right. Yeah. And so Chuck D is perceived as angry, even if he's not angry, he might be perceived as angry or like. And again, there's nothing wrong with being angry. I want to go on 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 record as saying that. Right. Right. But Will Smith, even if he's angry, is not perceived that way. Yeah. And so more accepted by mainstream America. Like I I have to agree. I have to agree with you, Sam, because Chuck D is that thing of. He's a threat. Mm-hmm. Will he? He's a rebel. Will he rise? You know what I'm saying? Like, will he be angry and possibly sin? Like, mm-hmm. will, like, what's mm-hmm. the deal with people fear what they don't understand? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And a black man who has a reason to be angry and you don't know what he's going to do with that anger. That's that's where the fear came in. They didn't know what Chuck was going to do with his anger or what or what he was going to lead us to do with our anger. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was an anger that I think we needed to have as a people at that time. Yeah. Like, I think that, you know, after you saw what, you know, what the crack epidemic was doing, right. all the different things that was sweeping the nation, it was time for that generation to be angry mm-hmm, and to mm-hmm. actually, because they needed a voice. The civil rights generation had their voice. Chuck D came in and, and provided a voice and an outlet uh, you know, and every generation has someone. Malcolm X let people know it's okay to be mm-hmm, angry. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's what Chuck represented. And I think that's that's that was a big fear. People, it just comes back down to people fear what they don't understand. And I think to take it even a step deeper in my own personal belief system, I think it goes even deeper into people fear what they can't control. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I think it really uh-huh. goes down to that, right? Because they just don't know what they can do with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so Drew. Thank you for that. You're a black man. Yep. Raising a family. Yes. Right? Yeah. You got four kids. Yep. Right? And uh, uh, you're a pretty talented brother, but are there times where you don't, you 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 choose niceness because you need to feed your family? Is, yeah. that, is that true? Yeah, there's been some times where, yeah. Yeah, there has been. I think there was a whole phase of my life where I think that it was presented to me that way. Like that this is how you feed your family, that you leave like there's a different skin. You almost put it. They call it, you know, code switch and all those different things. Everybody Mm -hmm. has done it in some different type of way. Or Mm -hmm. I I can't say everyone, but most of us have. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. for me, you know, I work ministry work. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that that was it Mm -hmm. until I got Mm -hmm. my hands dirty, actually Mm -hmm. working Mm -hmm. ministry work. Like when in theory, I thought I had to be nice. Uh It wasn't until I got real. Mm hmm. And that's when change began to happen in a lot of people's lives that I was working with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, I instantly thought I got to put on a smile. I got to, you know, I got to just just grin and bear it and everything's going to be all right. God's going to make it all right. And nah, you know, it wasn't until I was real and just had to tell some people 
literally sit mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. and shut up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. your time to listen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and that's when things begin to kind of change in my life in different times. But yeah. But so does yeah. that decision, the, that decision came out of, right, like self-preservation? Yeah. 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 So, you know, what's funny. I, I had to find out that it, I had to test the market on what I just said. I couldn't just, I didn't just come to work one day and was angry black man. You know mm-hmm. what actually happened for me? I was already credited to being an angry black man just because of my look. Just because I wasn't smiling. Huh. Just because uh-huh. I didn't do, uh-huh. you know, just because, but it was just because I was black and I didn't smile mm-hmm. that I was perceived as an angry black mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And then I found out there's so much energy I was wasting in trying to knock this myth when there was sometimes I didn't want to smile. Right. And then right. eventually, like I said, I, but I had to test the market though. Uh-huh. <laughs> I couldn't just come into work and be like, I'm mad today uh-huh. or like this uh-huh. situation makes me angry. I had to s- test and see because I was scared. Mm-hmm. Just to be completely real. Mm-hmm. I was scared I wasn't going to be able to feed my family if I kept it 100% real all the time. Wow. Wow. I man. had to compromise. That was I was <laughs> faced with that compromise. Now, can mm-hmm. you picture... I'm talking, I work ministry work. Mm-hmm. So that means I had to compromise the gospel sometime mm-hmm, in order to, mm-hmm. to choose to eat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so look, I, I got a couple <laughs> more questions for you, man, before we go. All right, look. So um, did you choose who you were nice to? So the white person working behind the counter versus the white person that's your boss. Right. Yeah, that, that was always a choice. I, there was some donors that I chose to be nice to because I knew they had deep pockets mm-hmm. and they meant something different to the ministry I was working for. And I chose to be nice to them even when they were out of pocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Initially I did until I grew up and cried, like until I got older and realized uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. this ain't God didn't give me that spirit. Right. But yeah, I chose. And then, but there were some guys on the streets that were meth addicts mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. kept it real with right, <laughs> a little bit quicker right, right. because they, I knew that they could appreciate it. I think I I had recognized that certain demographics of people couldn't handle what was real. And I chose to give them what they wanted. Hmm. I won't do that anymore. Right. But I did. I chose to give a certain demographic of people what they wanted because I felt like they couldn't handle it. And I knew that there would be a recourse for me. Hmm. Wow, man. So, so, so last question. Like when you were not nice. Yeah. When you chose yeah. to lose as a, <laughs> opposed to being nice. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell, give me a story. I remember one time a donor called me and said, hey, I need you to send so many people to my place of business to do this, to do this act. And I said, well, you know, this is a, a homeless shelter, not a work program, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, well, I know what it is. I'm a donor, blah, blah, blah. And then he and I said, well, sir, we can't do that. It's unethical. And I didn't say it nicely. I just said, it's unethical. I won't do it. Now, at this point, I'm mad mm-hmm. that he even insinuated that I should bring a group of homeless people to him for free labor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I said it nicely in comparison to what I was feeling inside. Right. Because I wanted to give him the truth. Uh-huh. Then he pushes me further and call, starts kind of calling me names. <laughs> so then I give him the full truth mm-hmm. from both a biblical perspective and from my own personal perspective, mm-hmm. gave him the business. And then I got a call within 15 minutes from all from every boss that I had. I didn't mm-hmm. realize I had so many people over me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then my actual boss showed up in my office and was like, 
hey, man, uh, <laughs> we need to talk. And it was just that quick. And somehow my ethnicity was known because mm. I never said my name. Wow. So, so, <laughs> but it was known that it came from a particular person's office. Got you. Got you. So, and all of it was around, you decided in a moment that I wasn't going to roll gonna, over. You were going to, I wasn't going to roll over. I lifted, I used my voice as a man should use mm-hmm. his voice mm-hmm. in defense of the community that I was placed in front of. Wow. Man. I was charged with a duty to protect those individual people. Mm-hmm. I used my voice. And I was told that I cannot use my voice in that capacity. Man. And that was and that was a turning point in my life, too. I could imagine, bro. You know? Yeah. It's funny. And it's so funny because we've talked about the, you know, talking about this subject. I didn't even think those two went. To, <laughs> <laughs> that story went hand in hand. But that, but so many times I believe that that we as black men are faced with that choice of when compromise is just teetering that line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and you don't know whether, man, do I, I know I can get fired. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the problem and it's stuff that a lot of people don't want to address. And that's why we're, we're addressing it. Yeah. You're addressing this today. Should I even been faced with that? It took a year, it took years later for me to realize I shouldn't even have had to been questioned. Mm. I shouldn't even have had to question that. I should have been given the right and the privilege that God had gave me as a man mm-hmm, to protect mm-hmm. the group of people yeah. That I was assigned to yeah. protect. See, it's a good, it's a, it's a, it's a good question, right? Because I think we are, uh, we're, we're asking this question, like, do black people have to be nice, right? And we have one of the nicest couples, right? Be, you know, become right. president and first lady of the country. They probably are nice people in anyway, yeah, right? It's who they but are. Because they were nice people, right? Did were they able to ascend to this position? What would have happened if they were not nice people? What if they were the Chuck D's? Yeah. Same brilliant, same schools, right? Same, but they just portrayed themselves or were perceived differently with. President Obama still have been like elected. Well, as Jesse Jackson at. You know, because I don't believe that Jesse Jackson was was as nice. Now, mm-hmm, we we mm-hmm, we have an image of mm-hmm. him now mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of what politics did to him. But when he made that presidential run, he had things to say. Yeah. And he yeah. didn't make it that far. That's true. Yeah. When, when we are outspoken, there's a limitation. Hmm. I think Colin Powell could have been made a good good president. But he was told real quick, mm, it's gonna be consequences and repercussions. And he you know, there's a history of when, you know, black men either being told ahead of time, don't step up, mm-hmm. don't sit up, mm-hmm. don't speak out. Right. And we never know what could have happened. And then when there's a large history, Dr. King, Malcolm X, mm-hmm. Evers, there's so many different that did speak up and we saw what happened to them. Huh. Well, thanks, brother. So this is Leroy Barber. Uh, This is the Sit Up Podcast. And we're talking about this week, uh, should black people stop being nice? And I think that topic rolls over to many communities of color. Should people of color be nice? Hit me up on Facebook at Leroy Barber or on Twitter at Leroy Barber. And uh, next week, I think we're going to take a look at a group of people who uh, traditionally uh, aren't seen as nice. And we're going to have our guest in here. We're going to talk to some women of color.
some black women of color uh, to see what they have to say about this topic. This is Leroy Barber for the Sit Up Podcast. Let's begin. 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 Let's beg